0: February at the movies saw Zac Efron get freaking jacked to play Kevin Von Erich in the much-heralded The Iron Claw. But as we get kicked off here, on the latest edition of uh, Month at the Movies, I still haven't figured out an overall, because we can't call it... At the movies, because that was like Roger Ebert's old uh, movie show, and we're kind of doing an homage to it here, but like I c- we can't call it the movies, but it does change it. It's February at the movies, okay? <laughs> as we get kicked off here, uh, myself and uh, myself, Jer Lega, and Tom Pot of the Pop Cup Pod. Um, how do you say that quickly? Um, <laughs> Tom, what Hollywood actor would you like to see play a wrestler, and who's the wrestler as well? Look. We're on uh, the old low blows feed. We've a lot of old low blows heads uh, listening, so uh, I'm sure this is something that a lot of people have been thinking about since uh, we saw the Iron Claw.
1: Well, I have picked more than one wrestler. I know I'm. I i do not have just a, an actor in mind. I've got a story in mind. Okay. Okay. Because like we're like we're like in a wrestling movie renaissance. The Rock is making a Ric Flair movie. We just had the Iron Claw. I'm all in on this. So I'm like, what about the rise and fall of ECW? Let's get an extreme cinematic universe going like this because that's what we need. <laughs> so naturally, Paul Giamatti is playing Paul Heyman because, nice. you know, not just because he'll remember his name, but also because there's a bit of a similarity there. I don't know who that's more offensive. To. probably offensive to Paul Giamatti to say he looks like Paul Heyman Little more than bit. the other way around so, yeah. somehow. And then we're going to have the genocidal, homicidal maniac Sabu is going to be played by Pedro Pascal. Oh, love um, it. We're going to have the Dudley boys. Paul Walter Houser is going to play Bubba. Right, <laughs> Tyree Henry is going to be Devon.
0: <laughs> yes. You. It's
1: coming together. This is where it goes a little bit like, hmm, I don't know. I picked some of them for very specific reasons. Okay. okay. Jason Momo is going to play Rob Van Dam. Oh. I guess he's got the long hair. It's probably a real compliment to have Jason Momoa play him because Jason Momoa is probably more ripped than Rob Van Damme ever was. If I'd he's not right. available... If he's not available, just get John Damme because you only get a chance to make that happen once, you know.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I'd <laughs> say Rob Van RVD, Glad- would be very happy with the Jason Momoa cast. That's yeah, a bit of a, yeah, yeah. a, a glow
1: up, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here's someone who would also probably be, and I'm assuming this person could win an Oscar soon, um, so he might not want to do it. And I'm basing this entirely on the fact that they both have very prominent cheekbones. Killian uh, Murphy as Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> of and,
0: course uh, God, yeah. we're all digging it yeah yeah it's on, it's on everyone's <laughs> lips who's going to be this
1: sandman character you know i'm assuming he likes it I, i'm assuming killian murphy likes the points, you know focus yeah go for it uh, and then i panicked and put john hammer's tommy dreamer so there <laughs> should have started with those and built up to the better picks but here we are you know that's it ran out of steam like ecw i suppose
0: <laughs> the extreme cinematic universe i'm in <laughs> sign me up this would be fantastic um I you're way more creative than I was. I just went for things that would amuse me um and just be funny and actually make the actors really uncomfortable. I also had a role for Killian Murphy. Um not as out there maybe as the Sandman, uh, but I want to see him act like Santino Morella and like just like have to do wow. things like yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and just have to kind of walk around and be silly. Um, because again, he's just such a talented, serious actor that it would amuse me to see him act in the airs and in the opposite way Barry Kogans having a moment they went very Irish with these picks Barry Kogans having a moment now and he's kind of having a moment as like even You've got Saltburn, obviously, um, but you have, like, obviously his, his award season kind of glow ups that he's been doing on the red carpet and stuff like that, and he's kind of established himself as a quirky personality, so I'd find it really funny if in the middle of this he had to play Landstorm Storm and just dial it way down, <laughs> and just, like, again... like Barely has a pulse. <laughs> there's nothing to work with, but Barry Keoghan still has to be Barry Keoghan. These would amuse me. That's the kind of thing uh, that I enjoy. Guys, we have a really packed show for you today. We have a lot to discuss. The Iron Claw is on the agenda. Madam Webb, I'm going to give you a spoiler. Uh, I don't know about you, Tom, because we don't discuss it. Probably not going to discuss Madam Webb in the movie of the month category. Although, who knows? Maybe you can throw a curveball there, but we are going to discuss it. Uh, and we're going to be discussing our Oscar predictions as well as we're in that. But let's get right into it, Tom. Uh, let's get started with our movie of the month. Let's play some music. Loving this segment, by the way, because as we covered, if you listen to us in January 8th, the movies, or even if you didn't, we'll tell you now, we don't discuss this part of it. So we watch a lot of the same movies. We're both uh, obsessive movie heads, um, and we don't know what the others picked for the movie of the month. So there's one, obviously, that we talked about at the top of the show that I, I would say coming into February was a heavy favorite. But Tom hit me with it. I'm dying to know. I've been dying all weeks as we've been getting ready for the show. What's your movie in a month?
1: My movie of the month came as a bit of a surprise because I knew very little about going into it and then it started getting a lot of awards buzz. And it was definitely well warranted for me. It was American fiction.
0: Hey, same. <laughs> Snap. I <Hey. laughs> <laughs> love it.
1: <laughs> so yeah, for, I mean, this is one where when it came to the, the nominees for Best Picture, I was like, oh, I've seen, 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 seen. Haven't seen that one. Been hearing a lot about it, but know nothing about it at the same time. And that's like the best way to experience one of these movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, was not expecting it to be as comedic as it was, uh, which was so amazing. Uh, it was like, not just funny though. It, had like, it felt like it had a lot to say. It was very incisive yeah. um, about kind of, you know, uh, the role of, uh, of African-Americans in media and literature. And I thought that was really interesting and how sometimes uh, the idea of this character, um, you know, having to kind of sell out his race to succeed is just really, really interesting. And it becomes you know, an absurdist comedy where he pushes it further and further out to the point where he's able to name his book after a swear word, which we won't, we'll keep it nice and clean for the moment, even though I'm definitely going to drop it later on. <laughs> um, so again, I think it's also really cool that, you know, in this and past lives this year, we have two first-time feature writer and directors um, making a film that is really well and above their that status. I mean, this is so accomplished and finely crafted. I, I loved it. Um, and I think it's definitely deserving uh, of some of the writing accolades it's getting. I also just think, like, Jeffrey Wright is such an amazing actor in, like, everything you see him, but it always feels like people don't necessarily know what to do with him. Like, it's like, um, he can do comedy, he can do drama, what do we do with him? Supporting character. So here, seeing him as, like, so front and centre and having a character that had range that he could be very serious and dramatic, but also quite comedic and light, was just a joy to watch him. Um, I think it really is his best work. The fact that he got nominated for best actor in this, uh, is just outstanding. Uh, because really, I think it's a movie that in another year could have easily been lost in the shuffle. Um, again, have to give uh, props as well to uh, his brother. I mean, uh, you know, Sterling K Brown playing a character that is really just like, Oh, I would hate if I knew that person in real life, but man, it's entertaining to watch from a distance. We all have family members like that. We're like, man, look at that. That's a hot mess over there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Aside from that, I just felt like it was a, a really well-done film. It's kind of uh, so understated in a lot of ways, but it is consistently funny. Like, I laughed uh, harder at this movie than I have at many of the comedies uh, I've seen this year. And, yeah, it's just kind of is impeccable. There's there's very few issues with it. The only problem I kind of had with it was the ending, mm-hmm. um, which kind of reeked of that thing of... I don't know how we end this in a satisfactory way. So here's an ending. Mm. Um, you know, it's the, the whole Sim- or Marge Simpson events of, uh, you know, is this a happy ending or a sad ending? It's an ending. That's enough. Uh, it kind of <laughs> felt like that, you know, um, because it's like, oh, is this the ending? Is this the ending? Oh, okay. We're going with that. Oh, 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 okay. That's actually it. I don't know. I mean, it, go- it, was, it worked as kind of an indictment on Hollywood to a certain degree, but I feel like that kind of got a bit too meta for its own good. And kind mm-hmm. of felt a little bit shaky because it's like, yeah, that's a good commentary on Hollywood but also it just gave us an ending that's not really satisfying. But other yeah. than that, uh, I thought it was uh, genuinely one of the best films. Uh, I mean, again, I could uh, I would, could easily see this being up on my top ten this year. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it holds up to a rewatch, which I don't see why I wouldn't, but yeah. Uh, loved it across the board. Definitely a, a feel-good and funny film uh, in general and yeah, one that has a lot to say as well, which is good to see.
0: Love it, because I was wondering when we came into this if anything was going to beat the Iron Claw, because I'd heard so much buzz about it before I'd obviously seen it. And this is my movie of the month as well. Um I came to this, and I'm going to be honest, like I was in a rare state when I go into the cinema of not being in the mood to go into the cinema. I, I look. This is why I do this show. This is why I have Page 180, because I'm a cinema obsessive. It is my happy place. It is my peaceful place. Even if I'm watching, and we're going to discuss bad movies, Um, I enjoy talking about it and I enjoy seeing them. So it was very strange of me to kind of go because I booked the ticket and I knew I wanted to see it, but I would had a weekend away and I was coming home and it was stressful just trying to travel back into Dublin and then travel back out to the cinema. And I just came in, I'm like, oh, I don't want to see this, but I, I'm, I'm going to because I kind of have to. It's up for the Oscars and I booked the ticket. And I sat there for the two hours with a smile on my face it just perked me right up in what was a stressful night and for me, there will and may be better movies, and maybe there already has been, made this year but I don't think of the movies that I love in terms of are they the best movie? You know, when, you know, when you have a movie that's your favorite movie, you don't care if it's number one on the IMDb 500. You don't care about that because you love it. And it connects with you on that level because you just enjoyed it and had such a good time watching it. I'm not going to say anything crazy. Like this is my new favorite movie or anything like that, but for pure enjoyment purposes and pure surprise. And like you said, not knowing much about it and then going in and just being blown away. This is, I may not see a movie that I appreciated more than American fiction this year. It is brilliant, and it's going very, very under the radar over here. I don't know yeah. many other people who've seen it. If you haven't seen it, guys, um it's based on a two thousand and one uh, novel, Erasure by Percival Everett. It's made by Cord Jefferson, who, like Tom said, uh, was making his directorial debut. Um and it's kind of like that the story essentially, as Tom kind of said, was, About the expectation of black artists to talk about black culture and how they can't be accepted unless they're actually telling black stories. Uh, And they're very kind of crude and obvious in in doing that. And that's kind of what is part of its charm. And it kind of connected with me on a level because I say this about Irish stories so often how many Irish movies do you see are about Irishness? Even if they're not, they kind of are. And the ones that aren't are like, you know, they're, they're kind of small releases or they get kind of like, even if you think of the on Colleen Kuhn, you know, for me, one of the best movies that we had, um, a couple of years ago, um, Phenomenal movie, one of the best movies of the year and just got looked over in the Oscars because it wasn't about, uh, it did get a best international film nomination but like it, it wasn't about um, Irishness and then you had the Banshees of Inish and where you have a bunch of actors hamming it up and being oh tiddly-eye, diddly eye diddly eye and acting in a way that international audiences like to receive Irishness. And that gets nominated for Best Picture instead when it's, for me, by far an inferior movie. And I don't like that. And I'm very happy to see movies like You Are Not My Mother rise because of that. Because it's like, why can't we just tell normal, good stories that aren't about Irishness? And that's kind of what this film is about, except with black people and their experience and kind of black artists. And Jeffrey Wright in the film is a, a struggling writer. He's had success in the past. He's known. He's lecturing in college but he's kind of unfulfilled and kind of the high expectations that he had based off his talent at the start of his career just aren't playing out um and he's just frustrated and he's trying to uh, you know be a sci-fi novelist like again you have a there, there's a scene in the movie um where he goes into a bookstore and he's he's saying oh this is a sci-fi fantasy book it should belong in that aisle and you have it in black culture. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's not a black story. It's nothing to do with being black, but he is black. Um, and I know sometimes, and 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 I'm going to be honest here. And again, this is something that I feel a lot of people feel, but can't say. I get quite fatigued at times uh, every, uh, like around this time of year where we have to watch one really heavy, depressing movie about racism. And that isn't to say that racism shouldn't be made at like, a topic for movies, but a lot of them are at the same time, and it's like, isn't it awful? Isn't it awful? It's horrible. um, And they can be quite draining to watch over and over again. This tackled racism in such... And not racism, but just, like, racial biases and the societal pressures of people to conform to stereotypes and so on. It tackled it in such a... It was nice to watch a movie that was likable and fun that still tackled the issue head-on, you know? And it's like, again... I like these stories, I just want to see people get creative, it's like we talked about World War II stories in in our January the movies and how the zone of interest and and uh, One Life tackled it in very different, unique ways like One Life dared to be optimistic Zone of interest dared to have Auschwitz right there but look in the other direction you know, and I liked stories being told in different ways and fresh ways and that's what this does, it's phenomenal and I loved the impact that it had on the audience of the screening that I was in yeah. because, I, I don't know if this is the same would do. A lot of the jokes... People weren't sure for the first like half an hour. The jokes were hilarious, but people weren't sure if it was okay to laugh in a predominantly white audience. <laughs> I, I was going to say the
1: same thing. Because uh, yeah. right? you walk, a lot of people, I'm guessing, were had to say with me, where they sat down and they didn't really know what they were getting to. See. And you hear a movie like called American Fiction, and you're like, "What is this about?" Mm. And it was that kind of thing where it was like, uh, 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 "Is everyone else laughing as well? Yeah. Okay, we're okay. Okay, we're okay." And then by like like yeah, like a half hour in, everyone was like, "Okay." we're in this together where this is this knows what exactly what it is and that's why it works like
0: yeah and again there was that thing of it, it, again it, and it's a movie that while it's very light and very enjoyable and very easy to watch it challenges you in a way because it it's, it is at the start where i'm kind of and that's why we all felt this way it's not because again we have and, and again i'm not saying that no one does in the movie i don't know but like it's not we weren't feeling uncomfortable because of racial biases or racist thoughts that we had, we were uncomfortable because we were like, is the movie challenging us? And if I laugh, am I laughing at, or I don't know what the line is here, but the movie then kind of is so crude. Like there's one thing where um, Jeffrey Wright is talking and he has to kind of ham it up as kind of a a, a person who spent time in prison and is writing a harrowing kind of story about his life. And he's kind of saying, "Weeze lives in the ghetto. (laughs) And like, it's just very crude and obvious kind of um but it was so refreshing to kind of get that tackled in a way which hit home and i haven't seen racism tackled in such a refreshing way or or racial biases because it's not necessarily fully about racism although a lot of the car- the people in the movie um just kind of want to push black artists over to one side so there is an element of it in there but i haven't seen the topic of race tackled in such a refreshing way since get out um, and I'm like, okay, this is new. This is fresh. This is interesting. This is a, a new way of telling this story. Um, loved seeing Jeffrey Wright get his moment. I thought he was phenomenal in this. Again, very similar to what you said. He is in so off. He is so often a character actor but he's such a fucking good character actor that we want to see. And I think for me, it was Westworld that I saw him in that I'm like, oh man, he's a leading man. He is, he's got it. Um, and it's great to see him do it, but in a way we're not used to seeing from Jeffrey Wright. It's great to see him like, oh no, he's fucking hilarious when he wants to be, because you get a tone for that. If you ever see him in interviews, that's, that's kind of his style. He is actually really charming and endearing. What I loved about this though, was how it could hit the high notes here. Um, without ever taking away the fun tone. Like, it kind of catapults you by setting you up with humour to connect to the characters, and then just hitting you with a gut punch in one or two lines. Um, But again, never letting you sit in the misery that a lot of uh, movies about race do. It's not about that. It's about just acknowledging it. It's not about kind of Torturing the audience into kind of feeling how horrible this is. Yeah, like I think,
1: I think definitely this is like, this is an example of like when people are saying there's tonal whiplash in a movie, this is an example of how you balance it really well. Yeah. Like there's a, a classic example of this is there's a scene where someone has died and they're emptying ashes into the, the sea. As you do went straight away, someone's like, you can't be yes. emptying ashes into the sea. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like, there you go. Like, again, sad moments. Oh, that's, actually, that was pretty funny. And again, kind of a really human moment there that he would yes. be like, oh, yeah, can you empty ashes into the ocean? I don't know. Is there, do you need permits for that? I never thought of that before.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's also like so much more than just a, a funny comedy, but it is very very funny. Like if you look at some of the lines, my favorite line in here was white people think they want the truth but they don't, they just want to feel absolved. Amazing. And it's just like that kind of like and it is based on a novel, but you feel that kind of novel level of writing without it ever seeming hand or unnatural. Um I want to give a shout out as well. You call this Sterling K. Brown. I also want to call out Moira Lucretia Taylor. Um, they were, the character actors are brilliant in this. Everyone absolutely nailed it, but they, them in particular. Um, I do, I, I agree with what you say about the meta ending. It was like, it almost tried to be too clever. I feel like, I haven't read the book, but I feel like it probably would have worked better in the book. Because I yeah. saw what they were going for, but again, I, it didn't hamper anything from me. It was just like, okay, the movie's being silly now, but it's allowed to be silly, so I, I'm okay with that. Um, American fiction, what a movie. Again, going very under the radar. Guys, treat yourself. If you want a good movie on a Saturday night they will make you think without ever making you feel like you're thinking, Um, it's brilliant. It, it kind of ticks a lot of boxes, so um, excellent, excellent stuff let's switch up and talk about some of the other movies we've seen and let's go to the complete opposite end. <laughs> because we need to talk about Madame Web.
1: <laughs> oh, do we, though? Do we? Really? Yes. Do we really, though?
0: I oh. want to. I'm dying for this. This is why I do this show. I look forward to doing the show with you, to make fun of awful Gosh. movies. Um Let's talk about Madame Way. What, what was your thoughts? Oh, it, it was not a good movie. It is not the movie of the month. It may no, in fact be the worst movie of the year.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm mean, like I when I, I I have to sometimes give, you know, hard truths or 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 bad news to people in in work and jobs and things and you know I'm going to go with the sandwich approach, positive, negative, positive, okay? That's what I do. Now, and be be rest assured, it's a shit sandwich this this sandwich approach. It's the good. Okay, and this isn't that even really good. Dakota Johnson. I thought she was funny in this. I don't think she was meant to be funny. She was really, really <laughs> awkward, and her character was really unlikable. But I, I, I thought she was very watchable. There was one scene I liked where she tried to climb a wall like Spider Man, and then realized that's not how this works. So uh, that's that's good. Um, then we get to the shit. Uh, this could be this could take a while. Um, so yes, this is another example of of Sony trying to make a Spider Man movie without Spider Man. Um, which. You can probably see the innate problem there a spider-man movie no spider-man so that's kind of right away we're left with a movie and this isn't even really a movie either so i don't know what this is meant to be um actually i have spider-man behind me here i'm just going to take that down that's totally irrelevant here um but this is um just a baffling decision in their continued quest to try and do something that marvel will leave them kind of get away with like they own the rights to spider-man but they're trying not to upset the apple cart. And I've seen people say this is like a naughty superhero movie or a 90 superhero movie. And that's honestly just such a slap in the face because some of those movies are decent. This is like bafflingly bad. It's kind of reminds me more of like when, you know, they used to do it a lot more when like a superhero movie comes out and they make a prequel comic book. And it's like, I don't understand why people would read that because it sets up things that never really become apparent in the movie. It's totally irrelevant. Generally unexciting and really ignorable. Uh, And that sums up this film. Um, Because it's like this whole movie, Madam Web, I guess I should explain it because people must know who Madam Web is. We all read a Spider Man comic. We're like, oh, Madam Web. Oh, I hope they make a movie about that blind old woman who can tell the time or tell the future or whatever. Like ridiculous. But basically, uh, Dakota Johnson, something happens to her where um, she's basically able to see into the future somewhat. And there's this character. Um, oh god I have, to, I have to say the line that's not in the movie where uh, she thinks this man was in the jungle or sorry in the Amazon studying spiders with her mother before she died uh, which you know what I, I wish they put that in the movie because that would have been at least somewhat entertaining um, but yeah there's this character who can also uh, sort of seize the future in that he has dreams that three spider women are going to kill him <laughs> which first of all first of all let's just say right even if like this is going to happen just imagine like here are three heroes what are they doing oh they're throwing a man to his death yeah remember remember when spider-man was like here you go green goblin pavement like what the fuck and then what's even weirder is we barely get an explanation of what this man does to make him evil he's like they're in the way of my plans and it's like what do you what do you do again (laughs) ezekiel sims is his character um, basically, in this, he is surrogate Spider-Man. He's just Spider-Man. He goes onto the ceilings, but they're like, he's not Spider-Man. He's, he's bad Spider-Man. Okay, that's great. Um, also, I should mention, on a technical level, they seemingly ADR'd all his dialogue, um, which, if you don't know what it means, it means they replace his dialogue with something being recorded in a studio. And you would think, ah, I wouldn't notice that. No, you really would. It's really <laughs> weird. It, it never matches what the, the room he's in. He always sounds somewhat deeply echoey for some reason. And also it's half the time it's you're not looking at his face. And sometimes, if you are looking at his face, his lips don't match what he's saying. <laughs> it is the most amateurish thing I've seen in a major movie, like, in in years. Like Then we have the fact that, as I said, Spider-Woman, you're like, whoa, there's Spider-Woman in this. No, there's visions of them possibly being Spider-Woman yeah. at some point. It is like, if you've seen the Madame Web trailer, you've seen all the Spider-Woman footage, because the rest of this is them just going around in a taxi being like we got to get away from this guy but also <laughs> kill this guy um yeah but why were the they story. in the taxi
0: why were they in the taxi like
1: there's that, that, too much that, don't don't look back don't look back we can't explain <laughs> everything that's wrong with this movie because we will genuinely be here Four days i don't understand who i like do you know how many people have to be terrible at their job for this to have gotten to cinemas like someone pitched it someone was like yeah someone wrote it they no one stopped anyone at this point someone showed somebody a picture of madam webb and they were like yeah yeah that's a movie that's a that's a for film there the, the it's, it tells you a lot that the marketing is basically hinged on look how hot this cast there yeah um because the rest of the movie that's the only like thing you're like wow they are really beautiful people that's the only thing you'll ever take away from this movie um i i aside from that the only person i can imagine is like happy with this is pepsi who are like prominently featured throughout the movie they have a role in the villain's demise shall we say in his downfall pepsi's right there for you the choice of a new generation like what it i like it's baffling. And then what's even funnier is you're like, oh, this is nothing like Madam Web. And then I guess they had to be like, oh, yeah, because the comic nerds will complain. So they haphazardly be like, oh, doesn't she look a bit more like Madam Web from the comics now? And you're like, yeah, but that's not a good thing because there's a reason no one has tried to make a Madam Web movie. <laughs> uh, I'm, I just, again, I don't, like, we've got another two of these Sony Spider-Man knockoff movies coming this year. Venom 3 and Craven the Hunter. This is the one that made the least sense. It still makes the least sense now that we've seen the movie. And I, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, before I, I freak out and just start crying after having reflected on this
0: movie,
1: um, <laughs> I do want to say they really awkwardly try to connect it to Spider-Man because yeah. apparently they they basically have said that Spider-Man culturally appropriated a tribe in the Amazon <laughs> to become <laughs> Spider-Man. Isn't that amazing? Didn't you love that? Hey, Spider-Man learned about this tribe in the Amazon. He's like, I can do that really odd choice they also put his uncle ben in here and you might say oh that's a spoiler you know what don't watch this movie this is the best way you can experience this movie not because i'm an amazing film reviewer but because this is short and concise (laughs) they put uncle ben in this and they have the balls to like be like oh oh do you know who that is oh that's uncle ben (laughs) where they're like they're like oh you know he's gonna love being an uncle because it's all fun and no responsibility. Hey, that's like... That's like the lightning bolt <laughs> of Mr. Spider-Man. Horrendous. Like, whoever wrote this script should have just... I don't even know what they should have taken away from them. Maybe they should just be thrown in a cage somewhere and just left there. But they also even, like... They also make a really crude nod to him being shot. Like, they're driving in an ambulance and they're driving to Queens. Like, the most ham-fisted thing. And someone there's, like, a shooting. They're like, oh, there's a shooting. And someone goes, why? You've never been shot at in Queens? Oh so yeah, say that's Uncle ben. <laughs> Uncle Ben. You've never been shot. <laughs> That'll change. Oh, great. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Thanks for reminding us that, that Peter Parker's fucking uncle is going to get murdered. Um, and yeah, that's. I, I'm going to. I just. I'm going to move on. I just want to say. Okay. I want to make a plea because I'm sure you have a great listenership in this country. I know you've said in the past you love their politics. You said that off mic to me. I want to make a plea to North Korea. Okay. <laughs> They Last do. time, I Sony got yesterday. too big for their boots. <laughs> you guys hacked Sony Pictures and eventually they put Spider-Man back in the hands of Marvel. Now look, horrible dictatorship, authoritarian regime, human rights violations up the wazoo. We'll forgive that. Just do something. Get involved. <laughs> stop them. Be a good guy. You can <laughs> stop this. I don't want to see at May spy movie that they were going to make. I don't want to see, you know, J. Joel Jameson, The College Years... I don't want to sound like J.J. Joe and James either, when I say, I want pictures of Spider Man. I want Spider Man in my Spider Man movie. Imagine. <laughs> I don't want fucking uh, Hypno Hustler, a disco guy that can hypnotize people with a guitar. Guess what? One of those movies is actually apparently going to happen. <laughs> I'm not joking. And yeah, you know what? Hack them and do whatever you have to do. We won't ask any questions. We'll forgive you, whatever you do. Just get Spider-Man away from Sony before they take every minor character and put it up on the big screen. It feels like they're punishing us. Like They're like, you have to endure this or we're not going to make another animated Spider-Verse movie. Oh, do you like Spider-Man at the MCU? Well, you better go see Craven the Hunter. Ridiculous. Nonsense. Oh, yeah, sorry. I forgot. I meant to have a sandwich approach. Positive. I like Adam Scott.
0: Yeah, I do. Adam Scott's pretty Uh, good. He's in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: So, um, yeah, that's a... (laughs) I'm, just, um, I'm I, just. I'm just, just imagining
0: on the poster. Like uh, I, 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 one quote that I took from that is trying to imagine the poster where it says. Totally irrelevant and really ignorable. <laughs> <laughs> the Guardian Imagine.
1: says, total waste of time.
0: And, and do you know what, though? I Okay, so I have slightly different opinion of this movie. I'm not going to say it's good. It was god-awful. God, but I don't mind bad movies. And I was actually pissed off at Morbius. Not because I expected it to be a good movie, but because I went in for the shit show and it was rudely just boring. The one thing about this is it's not. It will inspire rants like the epic rant we just had. And it just like, there's times where I don't mind. I like being in a bad movie where at the end of it, I just fucking laugh. I'm literally laughing at the movie. What was the movie that a couple of years ago? Uh, Sam from Game of Thrones was in it. It was about the moon falling. Was it just moon oh, falling? Moon,
1: I think it was called it was called Moonfall. Yeah, Moonfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> literally, like I'd say, it did. It's called and the it, bus that couldn't <laughs> slow down. And it was like, quick, run over here. The moon will protect us. I love those moments where I just laugh out loud at how ridiculous these people are saying it. And again, like you say, movies are hard to make. There's so much involved, and like people have to work so hard. to get to a level where they're making a movie for Sony in the Spider-Man universe that it's actually spectacular when something fails this badly there are so many questions here like what in Dakota Johnson's back catalogue maybe think she was this sassy girl-o that they needed to pull off Cassie, apart from her not giving a single fuck in any interviews that she's doing about this movie how did they look at like the moment that Sydney Sweeney is having, where she is almost universally accepted as the most beautiful woman in the world right now, okay? And think she needs to be a quiet, nerdy girl who wears a lot of jumpers and that, like, the complete antithesis of Sydney Sweeney. Why is young Uncle Ben? Adam Scott's Marvel role. Like this is Matt Smith in Morb- Morbius levels of waste uh, of wastefulness where it's like you could give him his own franchise. This is the guy from Severance. He could be the next Ant Man style kind of comic lead hero. Um, and again, like I know it's it's Sony, not Marvel, but at the same time, like once you're kind of cast in one, you're kind of, it's tough I was to gonna get say. You can't, you
1: can't blame me for being confused by that because there's rumors going around the cast thought they were in the MCU as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: they just heard you want to do a Marvel movie. I have heard that. That's hilarious. Why did they not just cut and reshoot any of Ezekiel Sims' lines? There, there's a scene, like, and, and, and the main thing that I think of when I try to answer all these is that. This is a joke. Like, when you look at it, it's actually more likely they just were like... Do you know what it'd be gas if we just all got together and made the worst movie ever and we tried for it? I genuinely think they are trolling us with this movie because it is that hard to get that many talented people together and flop so badly. Like there's a scene, and again, kind of a spoiler, but who gives a shit? It's Madame Webb, where one character shows us their powers, and it's basically like this supposed to be this like Avengers Assemble scene, like da, 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 and the power is like they like evaporate from their own body and are compassionate they basically just like break into multiple forms and go over to people like they're there <laughs> like how did so, nobody I think, go I think we
1: should even go further and say because I thought of that as well that is the big climactic action yeah, scene of your movie that's it. That, that, <laughs> look that's at her your... Helping people that are kind of in need, I guess.
0: <laughs> but not even helping, just kind of going, It's gonna be all yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah, Madame yeah. Webb is basically psychic Kevin McAllister here with like a little tiny bit of empathy. Yeah, I don't even put know together. <laughs> how to explain the origin story. Like most hero stories are really straightforward. They're either bit by a radioactive spider, their parents are murdered by a thief, the super serum to aid a war effort. I don't know what I don't know how this happened or what happened. I don't know. And, like, I don't like to kind of rag on bad CGI, like visual artists, are underpaid enough by Hollywood as it is. And I'm okay just letting movies be movies. If it's bad, that's probably part of its charm or whatever. But this didn't even look like it was trying to be realistic. There were times where it's like there's just fireworks going off in the background and I don't know why. I'm like, why are there fireworks? That's not a bomb. That is a fucking sparkler. And I don't know what is happening that's supposed to make that happen. Um, It feels like a really weak effort to kind of say, make a metaphor like emergency service workers are the real heroes among us. Mm. That feels like it was written by your cringy ma. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, no, that's not, don't say it that way. That's not good. That's not what superheroes are like. Stop. You're embarrassing me in front of the Spider-Man. Um, it felt rushed to a deadline because Sony forgot they had to make a movie to renew the Spider Man contract and they got a cool sponsorship deal from Pepsi, like you were saying. So it's just cobbled together any old shite and is maybe the most cynical and bad faith movie of the year. Would I watch it again, though? Probably, if I got Mater, and I'd probably watch this again because it's fucking hilariously bad. I, awful. I, I awful. do need to see
1: it with a more receptive audience because there was only one time I laughed in the movie and no one else laughed. And I was like, oh man, this is like there's a moment where it's, it's, she predicts someone's going to die, and the man's like, oh no, it's okay, I'm going to go anyway. And then <laughs> in the background, really slowly, there's a car crash. It's the slowest car crash, there's no Michael Bay sparks, explosions, or any cars moving over. It's just kind of like adult thud. And she's like, no, nah! <laughs> and I burst my whole laughing at it. But everyone <laughs> else is like, oh, oh, that oh, 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 was serious, okay, okay. She
0: okay, like, yeah, I know, it was hilarious. You know what's and- weird? I
1: actually think you can make a good Madden Web movie, and I've got an okay. idea, right? Okay. Here's what you do. Madam Web realises that Peter Parker's uncle is going to be killed. Right. And she really is conflicted and wants to help him, but then realises that if she doesn't help him, Peter, uh, Spider-Man never becomes Spider-Man. All right. So, like, there is something you could do, but this is like, I don't even know what, they didn't even try here. Yeah. This is really weird I don't know yeah, anyway let's spend less time with Madame Webb
0: <laughs> yeah let's talk about something equally as fun to watch in the cinema the Iron Claw
1: <laughs> <laughs> the feel good movie of February
0: yeah well like half of it is really feel good <laughs> that's the thing I, it, it's like look um, this is a movie that again got a lot of hype coming into we're all looking forward to it. obviously we're wrestling fans and, and a lot of people listening are as well so it, it's a really really strong movie it's a, a mostly a coaster, obviously um you know, should it have been up for award contention and it kind of got snubbed everywhere? Yeah, I reckon it should. Um, I'm not angry about that, but I get it. And I think Zac Efron in particular... Probably got screwed out of a Best Actor nomination for everything he put together for this. He, he was fantastic. I loved Jeremy Allen White being in this. I loved just seeing the guy from The Bear uh, as a pro wrestler that we all know, Kerry Von Eric. I'd love to see him fleshed out a little bit more, if I'm being honest. Mike Von Eric probably felt more developed, and that's someone even wrestling fans don't know that much about. Um, I, but I really loved... Jeremy's loose cannon vibe, and I don't know how true to life that was of Kerry behind closed doors, but I wish we got more of that, he was brilliant Um, what I loved about this was like the highs and the lows, people are kind of talking about this like it's so bleak, it's so sad, and I'm like, do you know what though like, Sean Durkin, the director sets an almost kind of daydream memory scene of 1980s Texas wrestling where the future and the potential seem limitless and what I loved about this was especially in the first hour, it kind of unabashedly invites viewers to kind of fall in love with wrestling if they're not already. Like I loved a lot of the presentation around it. It flows like st- like kind of the, the time it took to take us into the TV presentation of how it looks versus how it feels to be a fan there the mid-match kind of graphics and sound and everything was excellent. Like, at one stage, you had the commentary fading out as Kevin recovers, and all we hear is the sport Sportatorium kind of cheering him on as the world comes back when he recovers, like, and that kind of build up and the hype. I loved, like, the fun Easter eggs they had, like, Harley Race, the Freebirds. Without ever really feeling, like, a lot of these things, I don't know if you saw the TV show Heels, a lot of these cameos and stuff like that can feel really forced. It's like, ah, yeah, see a punk. He's in our show. Look at that. That's amazing. But, like, they didn't really overstuff that. Or Young Rock did the same as well, where they're like, Andre the Giant, am I right? They just kind of threw these away. but And it's like, if you didn't watch wrestling, you 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 don't care. Like, you're not... It doesn't take you out at the moment. But if you do, you're like, well played, lads. That's class. And that's a really good presentation. The only good performance of, like, kind of the cameo wrestlers for me was uh, Aaron Dean Eisenberg as Ric Flair. I'm like... That is the most impersonated wrestler of all time. We all have a Flair impersonation, except for the guy who's playing Ric Flair in a movie. It was crazy. But, like, I'm not going to go too mad at it. There there was a couple of things that I docked points for as far as wrestling goes. Like, if there's a wrestling movie and you have to have a scene where it's like, actually, it's fake, but it's a real sport, and you have to, like, go through that expositional kind of, boringness like the words he the word heel is now part of our daily vernacular like even outside it's part of mainstream vernacular it's not people know what wrestling is they've seen the wrestler they've seen all the other shows they get it so you don't need to have that kind of expositional dialogue and never mind that but there was another point in the movie where they got really confused with it where again they just didn't know it's like they forgot what they said about wrestling previously um where they said it was fake earlier on, but then uh, you have Fritz von Erich telling, uh, saying that you had to kick the shit out of Harley Race um, to get an NWA title match. And I'm like, you're trying to pretend it's real now. So you're just confused a little bit uh, for the sake of drama. But that is nitpicking. I thought this was a really enjoyable movie. I got a lot out of it. Again, it is very bleak and it is unrelenting in the second half. But I thought it worked because of how effective the first half was. I thought that felt earned. And I thought, like, again... And there was an there was an end line that they took from a, a Kevin Von Eric kind of documentary where he kind of spoke on a lot of these, and I won't say what it is because he really needed to hit you in the cinema, but it really did. Like that last line where, like again, there's a point in the future, and he's kind of reflecting, kind of looking at stuff going on. Um, that last line killed me, and again, it felt earned. It felt amazing. Again, like it's it's a really good movie. <laughs> but again, like, I, I know a lot of people are saying this is like, and a, a lot of the people that I'm reading it would probably lo- be more predisposed to like wrestling because I'm the guy who runs wrestling parties again. Um, So, like, I get it that people are saying 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. There were some parts that, like, I didn't get because I'm like, you know, it's a good story and it's an interesting story, but does it really have a moral? Like, what's the moral of the Iron Claw? Don't have brothers because they'll die. <laughs> There's no other message here. Um... I loved it. I, I I really enjoyed this movie. I don't want to kind of rag on it and I know I have picked out a few flaws and I guess that's me just kind of explaining why it's not my favorite movie of the month. Um but I really enjoyed it. I got a lot from it and I thought it was a really well-made movie that but I, I I'm not mad that it didn't get put up for awards. I think it, it it it's getting a lot of universal recognition. It's getting a lot of people a lot of acclaim and and that feels right. What were your thoughts about The Iron Claw?
1: Uh, yeah, I think that you kind of hit on a lot of what I've been feeling about it as well. I've been kind of wrestling with it, no pun intended, uh, since I saw it, uh, how much I genuinely kind of like it or not. Like, I would say I like it, maybe not quite as much as you. Um, and again, I've also been confused because, like, you know, seeing people who are wrestlers and who are interesting, being like, amazing film and is the best film ever. And I'm like, is it though? I mean, yeah. I kind of feel like, again, you probably are predisposed. It kind of feels like, you know, when like episodes of a TV show are like set in Ireland and you're like, way! And then even yeah. it doesn't matter if they're like, oh, wait a minute, they just spent like an hour calling us drunks. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it kind of felt like that a little bit where for me, there's like a lot to like about it. And I think it's great that there is more wrestling stories on the big screen because I think it's something that kind of lends itself uh, to cinema, but I don't know. There was things I really liked about it. There were things I kind of disliked about it. And um I think it's interesting as well because I only talked to one person who hasn't uh or, sorry isn't a wrestling fan that didn't know the story before they saw the movie. Mm. And they really liked it. So I think that's kind of interesting because I, I think everyone else I know is like aware of the story and anyone that's mentioned it to me, I'm like, Do you know the story? I'm like, don't look it up <laughs> before you go to see it. Uh I think the cast was great. Um, Jeremy Allen White was uh, uh, excellent. I think Zac Efron was really good in you know, uh, as in the role of um Kevin, it's like he naturally is a very, and if you ever see him interview, he's a very stoic person. He doesn't really emote a lot, and I think he would be kind of numb based on what he's gone through. And I think that's a tricky role, but I think it showed a lot of maturity uh and complexity of him as a performer.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh Holt McAllenay, uh as Fritz, was outstanding. Yes. I I, I will say, I think. Knowing enough about the character uh, or the person, I guess it sounds like he cut off a little bit easy. I think he's kind of a bit more of a stern, like coach character in this. Whereas in in real life, you hear stories and you're like, "Wow, he was just a fucking monster." Yeah. Um. So possibly that could be taken against it. Um. I did think the wrestling looked really good on screen, and yeah, the presentation of it, uh, really good. There was clearly a lot of respect for the the craft and the and for old school wrestling, especially. Um. I thought the relationship between the brothers was really good and I think that's why the first half of the film worked really really well for me I mean they did leave a, a brother out entirely but that's another point um, I I thought there was one excellent scene especially the montage you know I, I mean God I know montages can be cheesy but they like, have a montage of them like rising through the ranks uh, to Tom Sawyer that's just amazing like the whole movie is worth it just for that alone Um, and I liked the the immediate ending uh, again you had you touched on the line of dialogue there that we won't say um, that's kind of a paraphrase from, um, it was either Dark Side of the Ring or the, the mini 30 for 30 they did on, yeah. on Kevin Von Erich and the Von Erichs. Uh, that was a really powerful ending, I thought. Uh, but I did feel like the second half definitely kind of lost a bit of momentum. I think the pacing, it kind of just became relentless, uh, relentless misery uh, to the point that it didn't almost feel like you had a chance to absorb what was happening. Um, it, the sense of time kind of felt like it evaporated towards the end as well. If and I think that's why a movie like this honestly could have been possibly better done as a TV show. I don't know, mm. yeah. um, but at the same point, I do think it was really good. There's a lot I liked about it. I didn't necessarily think the romance works all that well. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of my notes as well as is, 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 I just said Ric Flair, Jesus. I mean, I'm no, I'm not shocked that they announced a Ric Flair movie recently because someone obviously saw that and was like, absolutely not, no, <laughs> that's not happening. We need an actual depiction of Ric Flair. Um, but yeah, it was a bit long, overstuffed, but in general, I think it was really good. It's definitely worth a watch, and if you don't know much about uh the story of the Van Arts, I think that's probably the best way to go into this. Um. But uh, as a a depiction of their story, I think it's about as good as you possibly could do, uh, really, without it being uh, an even bigger mess. So, yeah, no, um, and I'm a fan of uh, the director. Martha Marston May Marilyn is one of my favorite films of the last decade and a bit. Um, So I'm delighted to see him kind of get a a big chance with a film like this. So, yeah, Sean Dirkland did a great job. uh, And, yeah, definitely check out Dion Claw, I would say.
0: Yeah, it, it, it is worth checking out, especially if you're into it. But I do agree that when you know what happened like if you don't know what happens I can see that being a totally different experience because it's like yeah. fucking hell. <laughs> and yeah. It's like you, Yeah and when you know what happens it almost
1: becomes like a checklist. You're like oh yeah that yeah. and that yeah. and that. Oh yeah. and then you
0: know <laughs> you literally yeah yeah and you're kinda yeah you're a bit immune to it. Yeah that's very true. Um I want to touch on a couple of things just before we get to our Oscar predictions really quickly. I want to talk about one love the Bob Marley story, um, which is one that I feel really felt like it should have worked and had everything in its favor. Um, But I got a really icky feeling watching this movie when I heard that it was produced by his son and the family were very heavily involved. And there's a lot of that these days where, you know, you either have, the person themselves producing their own documentary or you have that. And I, I get why they would, and I get why it works that way. Um, But I feel what you end up getting is kind of a sanitized version where it's more an ad for this person than anything else. And I feel like that's kind of what it was. And that's a shame because it was very clear watching One Love that a lot of work went into this and a lot of care went into this. Like when you look at Kingsley Benadire he may not have learned to sing. Like, at one stage, you literally just hear him, like, and he's singing outside for people who are watching. And it's very clearly the studio version of Redemption Song. And you're like, I know every beat. I know every high high and low of that song, because it's so well known. It's an iconic song. And it's just that. Um... But he was convincing as Bob, and he put a lot of work in, especially around accents and stuff like that as well. And mannerisms were quite good as well. So, again, a lot of people put work into this, but the problem for me was the scripting of this. It was just all over the place with Zach Balin and, disappointingly, Sopranos, right? Terrence Winter behind it. Um, like Bob, for example, I just found this such a strange angle to come from with him. He's scripted as kind of high-strung, jealous, and even violent at times without any real attempt to kind of examine and get into the shades of grey to make him that way. And it's like, this is a love letter to Bob Marley on one hand, but also you're showing a lot of his worst characteristics. I don't actually know, I didn't know a lot of those things. Like, I didn't know he was a womanizer who had kind of a, a second woman on the scene and they kind of just threw that in there and I'm like, mm. that might change how I feel about Bob Marley, which is strange because... On one hand, you have the family endorsed ad for the guy that just is full of his tunes in a really crude way. Like at one stage, they're they playing music like in the studio and jamming comes on. At one stage, he has an argument with his wife and No Woman No Cry comes on. But whatever, it's still good Bob Marley songs. Um, and a lot of that is just, that's kind of the problem with the movie. It's just all over the place a bit. Early on, we see Bob being shot, which is kind of a well-known story. But there's no real backstory as to why Jamaica's in political turmoil. I don't even know what Bob Marley's stance is on the, whatever the issues were. I just know he was against the bad things. I'm like, I don't know. I just think I think he's a hero. Uh, and again, like, don't get me wrong. It's not an awful movie for me. Scene by scene, it's interesting. You know what I mean? I'm interested in every scene, but when you try and weave it together, it's narratively just all over the place. And it's a biopic, I get that. And it's about a real person and it's about a genius. And geniuses especially aren't clean cut people. You know, they're not They're not distinctly good or distinctly bad. There is a shades of gray element there. They're complex. People are messy. They're complex. They're gray. Um, But it also doesn't mean you should just kind of show us random scenes from their life. And hope that it all just hits as one big presentation. Because that's what this felt like. It just felt like several long music videos. And there are individual components that work. Even if the pieces don't exactly fit together. And it at the end of the day. it I love Bob Marley. I've been listening to him ever since watching this movie. And it is a couple of hours of listening to absolute banger after banger after banger. So as movie experiences that don't work go. You could do a lot worse than this. It's not awful. It's just disappointing and average for me um but what were your own thoughts on on one love
1: yeah i mean when it comes to music biopics in general i'm often very nebulous i mean i don't know how that genre ever survived after walk out of the jimmy cock story where it was like oh yeah everyone is like this (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know it's interesting you're bringing up the whole kind of involvement of families and stuff because like next year we have michael jackson's movie and i think like his his son is playing him and the whole estate is involved and if there was was if there was ever an example of a, a person who needs a shades of gray element, like, yeah. Um, and thing. the only person I know that's ever been like involved in their biopic that was like, yeah, show it all was Elton John, and that was like, no, no surprise, that was one of my favorites of all of them. Mm. Um, I, I'm always very trepidish in talking about Bob Marley because someone once was like. I I said innocently as like an eight-year-old, I'm a Bob Marley fan. And they said, name three Bob Marley songs, and I totally froze. (laughs) So as long as you don't ask me three Bob Marley songs, I'll be good. But aside from that, um, I knew nothing about Bob Marley, the man, really, or his life, uh, aside from his death. uh, And that was about it. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I kind of felt like I got to know more about the man. I kind of got to know more about his surroundings a little bit. You saw more. You, you got th-
0: to see more I saw, things uh, Yeah, happening. I'm like, yeah, that's certainly
1: more of Bob Marley than I've ever seen before.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but, um, like, yeah, I, I agree with what you said in that. I, I thought scenes were interesting. I liked, uh, weirdly enough, I can't believe, because normally I hate to thing a movie, of, like, the background of the origin scene. Like, I find the scenes about his father very interesting. Mm. And yeah. his, his time back uh, in, in Jamaica, very interesting. I've also just, like, found the time frame of it so odd
0: yes agreed
1: where they started and where they ended it like they kind of build up as if like he's going to do a concert that's going to unite jamaica and then the movie's like and here's how it actually happened and you're like well that could have been the big triumphant moment um (laughs) but okay uh it also did find it very weird like you said that they because i i know people have been said oh they've whitewashed the film and i was like i don't know enough about bob Marley to know if they did whitewash it or not Mm -hmm. and then it's like oh clearly he was dabbling with women all over the shop and they, they like you barely know it like if you looked away from the screen for like two seconds you probably wouldn't realize that because it's literally just like hey the camera's lingering on that woman for two seconds yeah. i wonder if something's happening there um Kingsley a was decent um again i i think he's an excellent actor and i think he definitely looked the part i think the writing of bob marley kind of let him down um bob marley from even like Barely knowing Bob Marley, even from the footage they show over the end credits, he's a clearly a very charismatic individual. And I don't think they always got that across mm. in this. Uh, sometimes he definitely feels like, in you know, over his head or very. I don't know, actually, I want to point out another thing that really, <laughs> really like made me laugh in this movie. And it's a, a I don't know what the name of the, the trope is. I'm sure it's on TV tropes. I'm going to call it Tighty Whities. And it is the fact that they always have these characters in movies that are, uh, you know, about a, a black experience uh, or an artist. And it's always like they're, the Rastafarian, because is something very insightful and, you know, clever. And then you have these record executives be like, well, Bob, you gotta, you gotta put on the concert, Bob. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes like, yes. like, like like one person literally says that sometimes I don't get it. We got to sell albums or, or what all oh, my favorite one was he goes, there's on about violence. And then Bob Marley says something very prophetic or whatever. And then one of them guys goes, um, you don't understand. His guitar is his gun. And I was like, oh, Jesus.
0: Oh, How can you oh, write that
1: and be happy with it? Like, yeah. oh, God. People don't yeah. speak like that. Yeah. Um, I did think as well that Shanna Lynch was great. Mm. Uh, I thought she was really good in this uh, as Rita Marley. Uh, But aside from that, I mean, yeah, the songs were good. It it, it felt like very, you know, like uh, sometimes the biopics have the thing where they like link the, the what's happening in the movie to the songs. And sometimes it'll be really bad, like... You know, like sometimes, like for example, if it did, this didn't happen in Rocket Man, but if someone would be like, "You really got to get out there and Rocket Man," say that again. You know, we don't have that thankfully. <laughs> it's just kind of feels really random because yeah. it's just the recording of the album Exodus mostly, um, and that's why I found the, the time span very different. I also think they didn't really do a good job of making his death make sense. Mm. Um, and I know his death kind of doesn't necessarily make sense anyway. Like that, I know it was mostly due to his Rastafarian beliefs. The movie is just kind of like yeah whatever he could have got a cut off his toe that he had cancer and then he'd probably be grand and they're just like bob mary's kind of like it'll be fine he's grand (laughs) and i'm like you're not going to give any justification for this but no apparently not yeah Uh, i don't know it it, it was yeah it was kind of paint by numbers it's a pleasant enough watch Uh, i i feel like again there's some musicians that just they like we have to give them the biopic treatment at some point and this is what we get. And we probably won't get another Bob Marley movie for decades now. And this doesn't really feel like it is the complete story. Yeah. It just feels kind of by the numbers. Uh, and that's a shame.
0: And, and, I, and I do feel there were so many. And like you said, there were so, like, everything they referred to in the credits. I'm like, that's a better movie. That's a better movie. Yeah. That's a better movie. And I'm just like, what the hell? What was this movie? Yeah. And I agree. I feel. And, and yeah, I, again, it was fine. It was grand, but I feel like there's a great movie in here and that's really frustrating to watch too. So, um, Speaking of potentially great movies that could be disastrous, let's talk about Fantastic Four, uh, because we got the casting and the release date uh, throughout the course of uh, February. We'll just touch on it real quick anyway. July 25th, 2025, you've got Pedro Pascal playing Reed Richards. You've got Vanessa Kirby playing Sue Storm. Uh, you've got Joseph Quinn playing the Yuma Torch. Um, you've got Ebon Mo- moss Backrack playing uh, Ben Grimm. Uh, you've got Javier Bardem is rumoured to play the main villain Galactus. And you've got Daniel Craig also rumoured for a Doctor Doom cameo. It's directed by Matt Shackman, uh, who directed in WandaVision. Uh, the one good episode of Season 7 of Game of Thrones uh, and Always Sunny. So there's a lot of great things that I like there. And it's written by uh, Josh Friedman, who uh, wrote Avatar, Way of Water and War of the Worlds and Jeff Kaplan. Um, So far, it's been teased that it's going to be set in the early 60s based off the artwork that's been released. You have Ben Grimm reading Life Magazine with Lyndon Johnson. What are your thoughts on on all of this? How's this settling with you? Is this something you're looking forward to? Obviously, the MCU has had a, a torturous time with a couple of big wins in there, but like narratively, people are ready to see on the MCU. Is this something that's likely to bring it back to life or how are you feeling about this?
1: The MCU kind of has one ace up their sleeve and I think it's Fantastic Four. Like the X-Men is going to help them a lot, but there has been good X-Men movies. There's never been a great Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. So this is their chance to say like if they get this wrong, they'll just have to kind of hang their head in shame because it, everyone's always been like, oh, but if Marvel got a hold of them and now they have a hold of them. So this is kind of what they have to nail. And I think the cast has done pretty well. And I think I like I kind of have the same opinion as a lot of the internet. It seems like generally speaking, Vanessa Kirby was like perfect.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh Ivan Mosmark, nice. i totally butchered his name there, that's okay. <laughs> yeah perfect like i mean i i just i'm gonna be picturing him shouting cousin regardless until i see him in the, uh, in the cgi suit or whatever you know but um the it comes down to joseph quinn and it comes down to pedro pascal and i would say my only concern with pedro pascal isn't this performance or his look i mean i'd rather look i'd rather see you know reed richards with a beard than pedro pascal without a beard if that makes sense yeah, <laughs> i don't know yeah. why i just feel i would feel somehow uncomfortable if he doesn't have a beard i just <laughs> i've gotten used to that look yeah
0: yeah Um, he is
1: a little bit old for Reed Richards, but I think he is I think he'd be a good choice. I think he can pull it off. He's charismatic. That's what you want for Reed Richards. And I think he's got a lot of you know, he can easily do drama as we saw in The Last of Us. Um, Mm. so I think he's a good choice. Joseph Quinn is one I don't understand. People (laughs) people are basically like he's the guy in Stranger Things, as if one role defines an actor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then there's also the other side of the internet, which is like, oh. Johnny Storm used to be a hot himbo. Now he looks like this. And I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know. This, Joseph Quinn seems kind of normal. I mean, like, Jesus, if yeah. Joseph Quinn isn't, isn't good looking enough for people, like, I don't know what that says about the rest of us. But, um, you know, I I mean, look, I, I've only seen him in Stranger Things as well. Mm-hmm. So he seems to be a decent enough actor. He's in the new Gladiator movie. So I've really got to do something. him, I'm guessing he's a decent enough actor. Give the guy a chance. You know, I say the kid, he's probably like older than me. <laughs> oh, he's 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 slightly younger than me. That's okay. He's a kid, nice. that young boy. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a good cast. Again, possibly a few question marks over Reed uh, and uh, Johnny for me. But in general, I think this this could totally work. And I think it does, I really hope that they actually are going 60s with this initially, at least. And it, I feel like at this point, the way they tease it in the artwork, people are expecting it to be. And they'll almost be disappointed if it's not. Yeah. Uh, but I think that w- this is definitely a shot in the arm that the MCU needs right now. And I think this is exactly what, what could be that turns the MCU around a little bit. Yeah. So fingers crossed it is. A,
0: a lot of uh, really exciting names in front of them, behind the cameras that I share. Like again, the one thing I'm not worried about Pedro Pascal because I, I've never seen him in a bad role. I've never seen Pedro Pascal shit to bed. Like even like everything he's been, even Wonder Woman. He was the only amazing thing about that yeah. uh, 1979. The only amazing thing about that movie. Like he, um, Again, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Like, again, phenomenal stuff from him. He's fantastic in in everything that I've seen him in. Uh, And then you've got, obviously, the big hitters as well. Um, I'm very okay with the 60s setting. And I'd be very okay with this if this was just a totally adjacent big-time storyline to the MCU timeline. I do imagine they'll weave it in, but I'd be very okay if they just stayed in the 60s. Did their own thing. This is what old-school superheroes in the MCU are like. Uh, and these are the adventures. I think we learned from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, one of the MCU's recent wins, that Marvel movies can still really work in the way that made us fall in love with Marvel movies to begin with if they stop thinking about the big picture, the multiverse, how it's all going to play together into a big Avengers movie. And look, again, I'm sure this will play into something. And whatever, that's fine. But save that for the post credit scene just focus on being fun, focus on being, giving us a fun time at the movies and that's all you have to do. And then we're happy. Um, So far, so good with this. But again, you have to take any MCU news these days with a touch of trepidation because there is a, a feeling. And Again, I think only Deadpool being incredible can write the ship. Um, but there is just a, that nervousness that we have with it because it has been a mediocre few years. Um, Let's talk before we wrap up about some Oscar predictions. Uh, obviously, on March 10th, we won't speak before then. We kind of had a rant about the things that got snubbed and everything last month uh, or the discourse. So we're going to stick strictly to predictions. Um, So, Tom, if you want to kind of rattle off with whatever way you want to take this, what are you kind of expecting for Oscar night?
1: I, I have my predictions for the big six, but I also have a bit of a proposition. I thought of this after watching Madam Web, right? Okay. I, that was a terrible film. So I'm thinking, like, what if there was a way that I could not watch this film? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to make a bet. Whoever right. gets more predictions correct is able to get the other person to watch a bad movie and skip out on it themselves.
0: Oh, okay. So I don't okay.
1: know. Uh, Craven the Hunter. You know, could <laughs> skip out on that. God knows what else is coming down the pipeline. I could just say, sure, you can review that one. I'm just going to sit in silence.
0: <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. I would love if this backfired and like Craven the Hunter was actually the best I, movie oh, of I all time. But ahead. now you're committed and you can't see it because that's been. <laughs> yeah, the best. I take it back. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Let's let's do it. I'm all good. For <laughs> this. In. Yeah. All let's right. do it. <laughs> let's go. Let's
1: put on our big boy pants. All right. Okay. So I have got uh, some fairly. I would say I have some boring nomination yeah. choices here. I think that I think it's going to be a pretty predictable Oscars. Um, I think we're looking at an Oppenheimer not sweep, but I think it's going to get a lot of the major awards. Um, it's up for a lot of stuff. I think it's winning best picture. I think Nolan is going to get it. Um, I think it's just kind of feels like it's his moment when you look at the other people in that category. It's like you know, they're not going to give it to Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Moon. Um, he's already got an Oscar for, for Best Director before. So it's like, who else are you going to give it to? Yorgos. I don't think people like uh, poor things enough for that as much as I love it. It's just a little bit too weird. They're never going to give it to Justin Triett and Jonathan Glazer's own interest. I think it's just a little bit odd yeah. uh, for what they're looking for. So I think Oppenheimer is the clear winner there. Uh, Best Actor, I mean, it looks like it's, you know, it looks like Cillian Murphy's name is on it already, Really? Um, I, I feel bad because I think in a lesser year, Paul Giamatti, uh, and I think it'd be yeah. a deserving win. Uh, but I don't think anyone stands a Certainly, I hope Bradley Cooper doesn't win. If Bradley Cooper wins, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with everything. I just I'd be furious. <laughs> uh, Best Actress. This is the one that I'm convicted on the most. Um, because I'd love if Emma Stone won it, but I think that they, you know, they've given Emma Stone Oscars in the past. It's like, uh it's tough. I, I. Looking at the other nominees, I think it only comes down between her and Lily Gladstone. And I think it's going to be Lily Gladstone. Um, because I think they want to give something to Kiz of the Flare Moon, and she gave a good performance. And I think Emma Stone has kind of been, you know, has had her moments a few times. Supporting actor, God, it would be great if uh, it would be great if Gosling won, wouldn't it? Or <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. I will say best supporting actor is a banger of a category this year. It's, it's really tough. Yeah. But I do think that like they want to I think they want to give the nod to Robert Downey Jr. For uh, you know, giving a role that we're like, oh yeah, he's not just Iron Man. So I think it's going to be him, and I think Best Supporting Actress is going to go to Devine Joy Randolph. I think the the, the Best Supporting Actress category is pretty weak, to be honest, and I think it's just going to go to her because of that. Um, America Ferrera is there because she gave a good monologue in Barbie, um, and Jodie Foster is there for that film that doesn't exist. Uh, didn't see the Color Purple. <laughs> uh, Daniel Brooks, maybe she's good in it. Emily Blunt is just there because they were like, uh, everything Oppenheimer." Yeah, she was fine in it. Like, but you know, uh, I, be- I feel basically like they're going like, "Hey, well done, Christopher Nolan. You did a semi competent female character for a change." Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say it's to be enjoy Randolph. But yeah, it seems like it's pretty much going to be very Oppenheimer heavy in my mind uh, in the top six.
0: I agree. Um, I found a massive flaw in uh, your 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 bet plan, and I love the bet. Oh. Um, But I have, uh, it's not going to work because we've got the same top six. (laughs) I I will change it for the sake of a bet. I need my taste. I
1: will change it. I will change my taste. Just (laughs) just because we keep this bet going. Okay, I'm going to change it to Emma Stone then.
0: Okay, okay, right, grand. Okay, we have action. action. Come on! on. Everything I I said,
1: everything I said, I take it back. She deserves to win. She's the best choice. You should win.
0: I feel really confident uh, that I'm going to win now. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, like, again, I'm going for Oppenheimer Best Picture. I want Anatomy of a Fall. Like, if I rank kind of the pictures, the like, that was my second favorite movie of the year. Oppenheimer, I think it's a disgrace. I get it what they're going for. Like, they're trying to capitalize on the Barbenheimer love. Christopher Nolan kind of, again, uh, you know, they, they want to celebrate the success of cinema, but they don't want to give Barbie the credit. And Oppenheimer was released on the same day and was almost as successful in a way. So I I get what they're going for there. Um, but Anatomy of a Fall for me it was like the best movie on on this list. American Fiction actually ran me close. I think if I had more time to sit with it, I may actually just say uh yeah. I but I don't think it's going to win. Um, my show just should not be there. Um, John Glazer, I'd love to see win Best Director just because of how different and ballsy. Um. The zone of interest was, and I thought he nailed it. And we kind of discussed that last month. If you want to kind of check that out, um, I would actually love to see Jeffrey Wright win Best Actor, um, for but again, I agree. Killian Murphy, it's his to lose. Um, Lily Gladstone, it's her year as far as Best Actress goes. I'd actually like to see Kerry Mulligan. Um, I thought she was incredible in Maestro. I'd love to see her, uh, get it done. I don't think she's going to, I don't think that has a single chance of happening. It would be really funny though, because. Bradley Cooper was so like, he's not going to win that, but imagine like his co star won it. That'd be fucking hilarious. I, you get to see I've Bradley Cooper. I ranted in the
1: chamber for Bradley Cooper. Like, I, got... I, I literally I ranted on this about, on another podcast for about five minutes about how much Bradley Cooper's Oscar campaign has pissed me off. So don't it. But it'd be so it
0: funny just sitting there and watching him actually have to be pissed off at his co star winning and his you, movie winning. Did you see the video him of him sitting winning.
1: with Bernstein's family? He's sitting with the Leonard Bernstein's like kids. And he's like, they're like, "Do you miss him?" And he's like, "Yeah, I miss him." And he starts like crying. And he's like, "They're like, he, you never met the the man." <laughs> it's like, it's like,
0: what's wrong with you? You're so making cringe it's Stop, so Stop. Cringe. For the love of it's God, it's so cringe. Ugh. But I really like. Actually, I I I really want uh, Carrie Mulligan to win now. But no, it's really glad so. <laughs> here. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, all award ceremonies up to this have told us it's his year. I would fucking love it and it would bring back so much faith in the Oscars if Ryan Gosling managed to pull this out of the bag it'd be phenomenal <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's going to happen and Devine Joy Randolph you know I know when we were talking about the holdovers last month I wasn't crazy about her performance as, uh, no as crazy as everyone else is it's a really good performance indisputably um, but she is the best of this bunch um, as for a couple others I just want to talk through best original screenplay um, I'd like to see Past Lives win um, I think that is to pick it a bunch but I'm very okay I think it's going to be the holdovers I'm very okay with the holdovers getting some love as well Um, best adapted screenplay I would again Barbie I really want to see Barbie get some like proper love here Um, I think they're going to be relegated to getting the likes of Best Song um, although it could cancel each other out in the voting because mm. there's two songs nominated um, but Oppen- Oppenheimer's going to win this um, Best Animated Feature I think I'm, I'm very okay with Heo Miyazaki getting uh, recognition here and, and The Boy and the Heron um, I think that's what's going to happen for me of the five even though it's probably the least cool and it has a troubling backstory and I don't think it's going to win Across the Spider-Verse was the best of these movies and if we are awarding the best that should be it for me and best international feature. Um, I actually didn't call out. Uh, we didn't get a chance to discuss. I love Society of the Snow, it is phenomenal. Check it out, it's on Netflix, it's a remake of the movie Alive. Um, that a lot of people of my generation will just remember. As the movie where they all eat each other. Um, but it is fantastic, it's so graphic, it's so intense, it's so Visceral, um, but it's also told with love as well. Um, really, really good story. I, I'd be very okay with that winning, but the Zone of Interest for me was a better movie. Uh, I think it's gonna win, and I wanted to win as well. So there are Oscar picks. Uh, check it out. Anyway, I, I'm staying up. I'm booking the day off work the next day. I love a good Oscar ceremony. Like, not that I love it because it's very often not entertaining or it enrages me, but I love following along the discourse. And I really hope there's something wild Like, I hope Will they let Will Smith back and he slaps someone again. And Like, how does the same shit happen twice? Um, or something crazy, anyway. That's and we're due something crazy, like to be fair. Every couple of years, the Oscars do something wild, so fingers crossed, this is this is the year. Um, that's all the time we have this month on February at the movies. But before we go, uh, big March in the cinema. Uh, Tom, what's the movie you're most looking forward to?
1: Man, it's tough. It feels like March is like the start of blockbuster season already when you look at what's coming out. Like, we have the new Ghostbusters, the new uh Godzilla versus Kong, but for me, it's the one that's coming out the soonest. It's coming out on Friday, June, chapter two. I think that's what everyone is thinking, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: 100. Yeah. percent Same for me. Uh, yeah, look, that is the movie. Um, it could be the cinematic event of the year, in, which feels like it's peaking so early, but uh, like all accounts are pointing to this being good and I'm looking forward to it, I can't wait. On top of that, I wanted to pick something else apart from Dune. Um, So I'm going to go for Love, Lies, Bleeding. Um, You've got Kirsten Stewart. You've got Katie O'Brien. You've got Anna Barishnikov. Yeah, I said it right. Uh, Dave Franco and Ed Harris. Um, It's an A24 movie. It looks like it could be of the kind of Boaz Afraid. This is actually a bit mental ilk, which I love those A24 movies. Even if they're shit, they're always interesting. Um, It could be amazing. It could be a hot mess. They're the kind of movies that I love. I love going into the cinema excited about what am I going to see here? This could work. It could not work. And just this just has all the vibes and an amazing cast. So I'm looking forward to that. That's out the 8th of March. Uh, Tom, uh, before we go, uh, you're you're everywhere at the moment. So what are you doing? Uh, apart from breaking your nose at, at wrestling shows, by the way. <laughs>
1: so if you get my ass kicked, uh, you can find me on YouTube. Um, I'm going to plug what I broke last time uh, because I've not done it yet. But I will be done it. It's coming out next week. My own award ceremony where I'm nice. previewing every film that's coming out in 2024. I might say every film, I mean more than any other film preview in the world. Over 100 films, uh, some of which have now been out because it's going to be March. <laughs> but most of them are not out. Um, it's an award show uh, where I give awards to films I haven't seen yet. Uh, so that's you know a nice mix of a film preview. But yeah, the culties, the sixth Daniel culties, very expansive. It's well uh, worth checking out because you're going to get to see... The latest posters. I'm literally keeping it up to date. This will be until the time is edited. Like I've got trailers for stuff that's just dropping the day before, uh, ready to go. You can see the trailers if you it's it's just well worth checking out. If you want to know what's coming to cinemas, um you're going to get the most up-to-date version next week and I have not said that date anywhere my
0: goodness exclusive exclusive (laughs) getting a world exclusive release date here uh thank you Tom always a pleasure guys uh check out popco pod if you haven't subscribed already uh for more of Tom's randings and ravings link's gonna be in the show notes as well so you can get it nice and easy from uh, wherever you listen to this podcast next time or over the next month on one page 180 we're gonna start covering our first weekly show we're gonna be doing invincible Uh, as soon as that comes back uh I'm gonna try rally the troops and we're gonna see if we can get a wrestling show sorted and ask So Blow Show sorted at some time. Um, And also, uh, I want to talk about Celebrity Big Brother. That's coming back. I'm really back on the Big Brother train, as you would have heard, if you were listening last year. So uh, we'll see if we can get a catch-up sorted for that. Anyway, uh, Tom, we'll be chatting for March at the Movies. Cannot wait. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, Until next time, though, this has been February at the Movies on the Page 180 Network. And you know... If you spent less time spying on me. You could probably write a dozen more novels that people buy at airports with their neck pillows and cheese it.